Welcome to the Podcast at the Hill. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Daniel Blaylock entitled, Truth for Troubled Times, from Psalm 46. Welcome back, friends. I want to invite you to take a moment and pray with me this morning. Many of you have uh, been watching probably and keeping up with our uh, presiding bishop, Brother Tim Hill. Dr. Tim Hill has asked us today to join with Church of God congregations all over the world for a day of prayer. So before we open God's Word this morning, I want to take a moment and I want to ask you to join me as we pray and we lift our hearts up to the Lord in prayer. Okay, we're going to lift up uh, those today who are battling sickness and disease, those who have been affected financially by this, and those who may just be in nervous and anxious about their loved ones. Uh, we're going to lift up our hearts today. We're going to pray for our own staff members and Forest Hill family members who've been deeply affected by this of late. And let's join together. We'll lead us in a moment of prayer. Then at the end, we'll join together in the Lord's Prayer, and that'll be the way that uh, we unite together uh, though we're scattered to gather in prayer in this moment. Would you lift your heart up with me and let's pray. Father, today we join together, Lord, around your throne with saints and angels. We join to get together today with Christians all over the world who've gathered on this Lord's Day, uh, Lord, to pray. And Lord, more specifically, we unite together with Church of God brothers and sisters around the globe on this day of prayer that our leaders have asked us to unite our hearts in praying about this issue Lord, you know where we are. Nothing that we're experiencing has caught you off guard. We thank you that you are our God and you are able to deliver us and you are willing to help us. And you promise when we call on your name, you will answer us and you will rescue your people. Father, today we ask you that you would reach out your hand and touch those that are sick in body. We do pray, God, that you would intervene and bring this sickness to a quick end. We pray, Lord, today for your provision for those that are struggling financially in the midst of this. We pray for those that are sick in body that you would heal them and that they would make a full quick recovery. Father, we ask you today that you would guide our leaders as they seek to make wise decisions for our communities to lead us through this together. And Lord, we pray specifically for Church of God congregations that have been affected by this of late. Lord, we've watched as pastors have fallen sick. We've watched, Lord, as uh, one pastor this last week, Lord, Dr. Varner in, in Tennessee, lost his life to this disease. We pray for their congregation in Lenore City, Tennessee. Lord, we pray for our own staff family members here who've been sick this week and who are fighting to recover. We pray, God, that you would reach out your hands and you'd touch and you'd rescue and deliver. Father, we pray today for our congregation today scattered watching at home and that you would hear our prayer for our nation, for our city, and for our church. We ask you to reach out your hand and to heal and to show yourself strong on behalf of your people. Lord, I pray that you'd anoint me today as I preach and you'd open our hearts to your word and you'd stir us up by the preaching of it. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name who taught us to pray. Pray with me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And his people said, Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you today. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn with me today to Psalm 46. Psalm 46 is going to be our text. It's a very familiar passage. You know, as a shepherd, I sense a great deal of nervousness in our flock. 
that's usually a sign that our attention has shifted from God to lesser things from our Savior to our circumstances. And in crazy times like we're facing right now, that is very easy to do. In a ball game, a player must learn the art of drowning out the noise of the crowd in the bleachers and focusing in for the one voice he needs to hear most. And that is the voice of his coach on the sideline giving him instruction on what he is to do. Christians learn how to tune out other voices and tune in the voice of God by worshiping well. That's one of the reasons we take an extended time every week and we lift our voices in songs of praise and we pray and we focus in so that we can drown out other things and we can hear the voice of the living God. That's what we do together. So this morning, I want you to turn to a passage, Psalm 46. It's a passage we've not looked at together in a while. I think the first time I preached this passage was back in October of 2016. We were all very distracted back then as well, only it wasn't a health pandemic. It was a national election. It was coming up on the presidential election in that following November. Three and a half years ago, we looked at this psalm to give us focus in a time of difficulty and trouble. I also introduced to you during that time, three and a half years ago, what has become for us at the Hill a rally cry, a way of reminding us of what really matters and what is really important. And that was whenever I sensed we were getting distracted by other things, I would simply step to this pulpit and say, the Lord reigns. And you would respond as I hope you just did in your living room. Let's try that again. The Lord reigns. And we would shout together, the Lord reigns. And it was a reminder to us of the anchoring truth we find in Psalm 46. If you have your Bible, I want you to read along with me. It'll be there on the screen with you as we read together. Lift your voice and let's read it together from the word of the Lord. I invite you to read it aloud where you're sitting. Let's read God's word together. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters Waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. May God bless the reading of his word and his people said, amen. I want to lift up three great truths from this passage that we've looked at three and a half years ago that I think is a great reminder for us today. The first truth we find in the opening verses of this chapter are simply this, because I have a refuge, I will not 
fear. Let's say that again. Because I have a refuge, I will not fear. We just sang it seconds ago. Hallelujah, I am not alone. He's with me and I won't fear. Amen? We don't have to be afraid. We have a refuge. Notice what the text says. The Bible says we have a refuge when the squeeze is on. I want you to notice that. If you were to read the first verse in the original language, it would read something like this. God is for us a refuge, a help in straits he has been found. Now the word straight, S-T-R-A-I-T, does not mean straight like a straight line. It means a tight place like the Straits of Gibraltar. It's often a place on an ocean journey when you come into port and you come into an island area and you find uh, high sea walls on each side. It's like sailing through a valley where there's mountain cliffs on each side of you. It's a tight place. A strait is a place where you have to line up one by one to go through. It's a place where we are squeezed and constrained. The tight places of life. It's what my parents used to call between a rock and a hard place. Well, the Bible says that God is our refuge when we're in the tight places of life. Notice the next verse. He says, though the mountains were to slide into the heart of the sea, though everything is shaking and quaking around us, verse 2 says, we still don't have to fear. This is a picture of times not only when the squeeze is on, but number two, when everything seems to be moving and nothing seems to be stable. We have a refuge when nothing seems stable. That's what God's Word says. All, everything that we thought was going to be able to be depended upon proves to be untrustworthy. I'm told in an earthquake that the most fearful part of all is not buildings moving, but it is the reality that the very ground beneath your feet begins to move. The one thing that you always took for granted begins to move and shift on you. And that reality is horrifying. The Bible says not only is the earth shaking and quaking, but it describes a situation where the land is actually sliding into the ocean. I think about the volcanoes that you often see on the news in places like Hawaii or the Japanese area where you have the Pacific Rim and it looks like the earth is sliding into the ocean. What a fearful picture. In the Old Testament, the sea was a picture of chaos or disorder, something that can be calm one minute and turn on you in the next moment and be able to overtake you. Listen, chaos and disorder threatening to overtake everything that we thought was sure and certain. As little Richard used to sing, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. That's what this verse says. Though everything around us shake, verse 2, even though the earth be removed and the mountains are carried into the midst of the sea. We live in a day when many things are being shaken. There is a lot of shaking happening around us. The Bible says in the prophets that God has told us he will shake the heavens and the earth. As one preacher said, everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that only that which cannot be shaken will remain. That's what God says will happen. And that is what is happening in the day we live in. Entire nations are being shaken in the pandemic. The global economy is shaking. Federal and state governments are shaking. Entire cities are quaking with civil unrest. The church is shaking. We open and then we go back online. Some have not gone back on campus at all yet. Some are struggling financially under the weight of the current conditions. Shaking is happening all around us. Be careful that you don't get shaken out during this season. 
The Bible says that judgment begins at the house of God. And though we aren't claiming that God caused the pandemic, certainly God has allowed it and God has a purpose and he's working in the midst of it and he's going to bring about his own purposes through the midst of it. I believe part of what's happening in this season is God is purging his church. Everything and everyone that he did not plant will be uprooted during this season. The current test we're in will do what a test always does. It will show us what we're made of. The test will reveal the quality of our spiritual life. And the only ones who will make it through the current storm are the ones who've taken refuge in Jesus. The ones who can say, God is my refuge and strength, my very present help in the time of trouble. Notice what he says here in this verse. God is our refuge. Say our refuge. Notice he didn't say God is a refuge. He said God is our refuge. Again, in the Hebrew, God is for us a refuge, a help in straits he has been found. The Bible says in Romans 8, if God be for us, then who can be against us? Notice what the result of this is. Verse 2, therefore I will not fear. That is the call. Because God is our refuge, we need not fear. There are only two options for us in the current storm that we're facing. Either we can, we can, we can fear and panic and we, by looking at our circumstances, or we can look at our Savior and put our trust in God. Are your eyes fixed on your circumstances, or are they fixed on your refuge today? That's the question. When Peter focused his attention on the Lord Jesus, he was able to walk on the water. But when he got his eyes off Christ onto the waves, he sank beneath the storm and had to be divinely rescued. Because I have a refuge, I will not fear. That's the first lesson of Psalm 46. The second lesson of Psalm 46 is this. Because I have a river, I will not faint. That's what he says in verse 4. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God has a river and a way of sustaining his people. To understand what this means, I think you have to understand the backstory of Psalm 46 a little bit. You would find this story uh, and where it originally uh, is tied to in 2 Kings chapter 19. Most scholars agree that Psalm 46 was written during the time of King Hezekiah. Whenever the Assyrian army of King Sennacherib had surrounded Jerusalem and besieged it. Whenever you besiege a city, you bring your army to surround its walls. And you build up siege ramps so that you can overcome it. You surround them and cut them off from their supply of food and water and then you just wait them out until they have no choice but to surrender because they have no supplies. That's what Sennacherib planned to do to the city of Jerusalem. And it ought to have been an easy target because Jerusalem is not built along a river. It had no water supply of its own. And so he thought, I'll have them starved out in a matter of days. They'll have no water and they'll have to surrender. But what, what Sennacherib did not know is that Hezekiah had already seen this day coming and he'd made preparation for it. Down from the mountains around Zion, he had brought in an aqueduct system, an underground water system that fed water from the streams in the mountains into the city of Jerusalem. And that water bubbled up in the pools all around the city near the various entrances. These pools you read about in the gospels like Bethesda and Siloam. These are the pools that he had built. And so what 
the enemy didn't know is the city of God did have a river flowing into it. An underground secret river that no enemy knew anything about. I want to tell you it's a beautiful picture of God's people who can depend on him in the time of trouble. They had a source of water their enemies didn't know about. So do the people of God today. Psalm 1-3 says if we'll delight in the word of God that we will be like a tree planted by rivers of water. John 7, Jesus said that those who believe on him will have rivers of living water flowing from their innermost being. But Jeremiah 2-13 warns us that if we're not careful, we'll be like the people of God in the Old Testament. Jeremiah says, my people have committed two great evils. Number one, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. And number two, they have hewn out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that hold no water. We have two options in the face of life, storms. We can try to make it on our own manufactured resources, or we can trust in the living God. There are many broken cisterns around us today. Things that collect water and leak out and don't provide any lasting sustenance for us. And many people are turning to them. Whether it's self-help, human, secular gurus, or false religion. Whether it's putting their trust in earthly rulers. Or leaning on some human friendship or relationship to bring them comfort and peace. Many of us, it's turning to the distraction of worldly entertainment. Not simply to pass the time, but to numb the gnawing anxiety that we feel. And to not have to think about what's really happening. Instead, the Bible says we can drink from the fountain of living water. We can turn to God in prayer. We can read his word. We can sing the songs of Zion. We can pray instead of be anxious during the season. If we look to any of those dried up wells, we'll come up empty and the enemy will wait us out until our hearts are overwhelmed and we give up and faint in the day of trouble. Jesus said men ought to always pray and not to faint. But I want to assure you if you don't pray, you will faint. This is not a time just to be binging on other things. This is a time to draw close to God. We have that option. The option of verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. And God is able to make your heart glad and sustain you and hold you up but we have to stop looking for alternative sources of help and turn to God in complete trust and surrender. And if we'll do that, we will find that he is more than enough. I ask you today, are you drawing water from the fountain of living water? Some of us are imbibing a steady diet of television news and social media. We're constantly consuming stories and articles that make us anxious and fearful about our public health our personal finances, or our nation's safety. If not, we're drinking down the media that stirs up our anger and sense of outrage, maybe over the latest example of racial injustice or some moment where we feel the government has way overreached their boundaries and taken our freedoms. Instead, we should be putting down our phones and picking up our Bibles. Stop fighting with our friends on Facebook and start fighting the real enemy on our knees in prayer. We don't have to faint or give up in the midst of problems. And we don't have to make it on our own limited resources either. We have a refuge so we don't fear. And we have a river so we don't faint. And finally, the psalmist says, because I have a revelation, I will not fret. Because I have a re revelation, I will not fret. Notice what he says in verses 8 and 9. Come behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. 
He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. It would have been easy for Israel to abandon hope in the face of their enemies. They were surrounded by the ruthless Assyrians. The enemy who had destroyed far greater cities than Jerusalem had come up against them. They had every reason to be afraid. But regardless of how it may appear, our God is still the Lord of history. Verse 9 tells us, verse 6, excuse me, tells us, the nations raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, and the earth melted. When Sennacherib sent a threatening letter to the people of God, it came to King Hezekiah's desk. And he picked up that note and he read over it and he found this letter from King Sennacherib. And it said to King Hezekiah, you may as well give up. You may as well lose heart. You may as well surrender the city into my hands. Don't even think about resisting. Your army is no match for me. Your king is no match for me. And finally, he said the thing that sent Hezekiah over the edge. He said, and there is no God who will be able to deliver you from my hand. At that point, Hezekiah read that letter and realized it had been sent to the wrong address. This letter wasn't against Hezekiah at all. It was against the God of Israel. So Hezekiah left his palace and went over to the temple of God and laid it before the Lord. He laid that letter from Sennacherib before the Lord and said, God, you've got mail. That night, the Bible tells us that one angel, say one angel, not a host of angels, one angel went out through the camp of the Assyrian army that was surrounding Jerusalem. And the Bible says when they woke up the next morning, 2 Kings 19.35 says there were 185,000 dead Assyrian soldiers laying on the ground. There most certainly is a God who is able to deliver his people. And he is the God of Israel. And the cry of this passage is, the Lord of hosts is with us. What does that little phrase mean? We find it in the prophets over and over. The Lord of hosts. Well, hosts refer to the angel armies of heaven. In other words, when God comes on the scene, he's not alone. He comes with his whole angelic army with him. And so not only do we have God, we have the armies of heaven to back us and defend us. So that's the revelation. The revelation is in verse 10 of this passage. Be still and know that I am God. That's it. That's the revelation. And because I have a revelation, I don't have to fret. I can be still. We can stop living by what we feel and start living by what we know. This is the revelation that he is God, that our God is the sovereign king of the universe. I say it again. Say it after me. The Lord reigns. My circumstances are not in charge. Life is not random. The world is not a driverless chariot driving down through history. The devil's not in charge. God is still on the throne, and we are where we are by the permission and the design of a good God. He knows who I am and where I am. Every hair on our head is numbered. His eyes on the sparrow, and he still watches over us. And we need to get that revelation. We are to know that he is God. The word know is the Hebrew word yada, Y-A-D-A. And it doesn't mean to just know in your head or to accept the fact. It means to know in your experience, to know like you know a good friend or you know your spouse. It is intimate, firsthand knowledge of the truth. It is knowing in our daily walk, living a life of trust, surrendered to God, and watching him come through for us over and over. And if I know God, I can be still. Say, be still. 
The Hebrew word for be still literally means to let your hands fall, to take your hands off of a situation. How many times have you had a child bring you a broken toy or something that was all in knots and they want you to help but they keep putting their hands in it. They keep trying to fix it themselves and they make a worse mess and there's more for you to untangle. Well, the answer is for them to take their hands off and put it in your hands, isn't it? Well, that's the answer for us today, to be still, to put our hands down by our side, put our hands in our lap and let God do what we cannot do, to stop fidgeting and fretting, to stop trying to frantically take control over everything and to put it in the hands of a good God. Notice verse 7 and verse 11, the same refrain over and over, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. Say the God of Jacob. He is the God of Jacob. Why would, why would he put that in there? Well, not only is it a reference to Israel, he already said Israel, but why Jacob? Here's why. I think we need to be reminded of this. He's not only the God of Israel, he's the God of Jacob. Jacob was his name before his heart got changed. Jacob was his name before his character was addressed. Jacob means heel grabber, manipulator. Jacob in our day would be like calling somebody slick, it's the idea of a schemer or a manipulator. And Jacob made it through life by manipulating his way through on his own cunning and cleverness until finally God got him to the place where he wrestled him down and changed his heart and changed his name. And Jacob realized that nothing he could do would bring the blessing. The blessing can only be received as a gift by trusting God and surrendering to him. Like Jacob, God wants to bring us to the place during this season whenever you and I understand that we must trust God completely. We can rest only in him. That's what God is trying to do, to get us to that place. Listen today, we have to decide how we're going to deal with the storms of life. We can focus on the circumstances and live in constant fear over life's certainty. We can search for help in other sources besides God and ultimately we'll cave in to hopelessness and fear. We can frantically try to control all the variables of our lives through manipulation and human ingenuity. And if you do, you'll end up having a nervous breakdown because that approach will never work. Or we can trust the living God and and prove by our own daily experience that he really is in charge. Many of us are fearful about the current health crisis or the health of a loved one, perhaps. Many of us are worried about our own finances. Many of us are terribly anxious about the upcoming election. My experience around here is most people don't ever think I'm anxious enough about the upcoming election. I'm always told that this election is the most important one, and it is until the next one, and then that's the most important one. Pastor, why are you not terribly anxious about all these things? Because I have a revelation. And the revelation is that he is God and that no matter what happens, he's still on the throne. The revelation is that. The revelation is Daniel 2.20 when Daniel said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. Listen, he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and he raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. The psalmist said the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord and like rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wants it to go. That's the revelation. And when you understand that, you won't freak out and panic every November whenever election time comes up. Does it matter? Yes. Does it matter ultimately in the same way that the kingdom of God matters? Not on your life. 
Pastor, aren't you anxious about the coin shortage and the fact that some businesses have stopped taking cash? Aren't you afraid this is leading us into the end times? I've got a news flash for you today. I already knew we were in the end times. I hadn't been reading the newspaper. I've been reading the New Testament and the Bible already told us that if you've been paying attention. I'm not looking for signs. I'm listening for the sound of a trumpet to blast most any time. We are getting ready to go home. The Lord's preparing his church for the coming of the Lord. Luke 21 and 28 says, now when you see these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. It's time to get right with God. It's time to get ready and stay ready for the coming of the Lord. But pastor, times could get tough before the Lord returns. Doesn't that scare you? No, I have a revelation. And the revelation is he's God and he's still got us. Psalm 97 11 says he preserves the souls of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord you righteous. Give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. David said I was once young and now I'm old but I've never seen the righteous forsaken and I've never seen their children begging for bread. Get a revelation today. Get a hold of the truth of God and let that anchor your heart in these difficult times. In the meanwhile, don't let the devil steal your joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't let him rob you of your peace because peace is the gift that Christ has promised you. It is your birthright. Instead, say with Hezekiah in Psalm 46, I have a refuge so I will not fear. I have a river so I will not faint. I have a revelation so I will not fret. Say it with me again. The Lord reigns. I want to end where we began today. God is our refuge and strength. It's not a general statement. It's a personal statement. Is it personal for you today? Can you say that the Lord is your refuge? The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, the only people who can honestly claim that are the people who have run to Jesus and taken refuge in his saving blood. Are you trusting wholly in Christ today? That's the question. Or are you allowing things of this world to shake you? Don't let anything shake you out of the refuge of God today. Don't let anything shake you out of the church of the living God today. Be careful. Things are shaking. God is shaking the nations. God is shaking his church. And if you're not careful, you'll get shaken out today. Don't get offended today. Allow the Holy Spirit to help you. There are some people who get offended whenever a pastor preaches the word of God and goes down their cornrow about some things they might be struggling with. Some people get offended when the pastor talks about racial things. If you're not struggling with racial issues, it shouldn't be a problem to you. But if you get mad enough to leave church over it, I've got a news flash for you. It's the Holy Spirit bringing conviction on your life. And if you'll stay out of church, on the account of that, I've got a warning for you. You're one of the people who are being shaken out of the house of God by things that ought not be so. Allow the Holy Spirit to deal with your heart. Allow God to address what's going on in your life. Don't get shaken out in this season. You'll get shaken out and you'll miss the coming of the Lord. You won't be ready when he returns. Get yourself back where you ought to be in the refuge of the Most High God. Don't allow this season of time to be the one that trips you up. You've run 
run the race this far. Are you about to turn back now? You've almost made it home. We're near the end. Are you going to turn and give up today? I've come too far to go back now. I've made it too close to home to let anything trip me up. As Paul said to the Galatians, you did run well. Who hindered you that you would not obey the gospel? Get back on track. Fall on your face. Get your heart right with God. Stay in this thing because the Bible says he that endures to the end, the same will be saved. Hang in there. Don't give up now. Run this race with endurance to the end. I'm confident today in the Forest Hill Church of God. This is a good church. This is a strong church. There are people in this church that are strong in the Lord, who know their God, who've taken refuge in Jesus. And I believe we're going to make it through it. I believe we're going to come through it stronger. And I believe when the storm is over, we are built on the rock and we'll still be standing because our hope is in our refuge and our strength, our very present help in the time of trouble. The Lord reigns. And I want to urge you today, take refuge in him. If you've never trusted in Jesus, I hope the Holy Ghost will open your eyes to realize you're a slave to sin and in the grip of the devil. That Jesus died and rose to rescue you from the prison house of sin. And that you can run to Jesus for refuge. I urge you, if you haven't, to trust in Christ as your Savior today. If you're a believer, it's time to anchor your soul in Jesus. To put all your weight down on God. To unplug from the fray and to drink deeply from Christ. I urge you today, don't let anything cut in between you and the Lord. Don't let anything. Make sure your heart is anchored in Jesus today. Would you pray with me? Father, in the strong name of Jesus, I pray today for our people who are scattered all over Mobile and Baldwin County, but gathered around their television or their laptop or their phone. And I pray today that, Holy Spirit, you'd reach through the screen and you'd strengthen them. I pray you'd stir their heart up today. I pray that you would encourage them in the things of God. And I pray if there's anybody watching who's not right with God, that the Spirit of God would grip their heart. And instead of being a at their preacher, they'd get convicted by their Savior, and today they'd get alone with God and pray through whatever this is. Lord, I pray today you'd help them to see if they get offended, they'll end up losing out with God, but if they'll get convicted and pray through, they can make things right with God, and they can be ready for the coming of the Lord. Lord, I pray that you'd strengthen your people today. I pray, God, you'd hold them up, and you would carry us safely through this, and we'll thank you, and we'll believe you for it in Jesus' strong name, and everybody said... Amen. Maybe you need to pray with someone today. If you do, I invite you to call the pastor on call number. It's 251-345-1700. You'll see it there on the screen. That number's good all through the week for you to touch base with us if you need help in any way. I also encourage you to fill out a digital connect card and let us know that you are with us if it's your first time guest. Go on our website, foresthillcog.org, and you can find us there. And then lastly, I urge you, please continue to faithfully support the ministry of your local church during this season. You're so faithful and good to do that, and I'm grateful for that continued support. You can do that on that same website, or you can drop something in our mailbox here at the office, and we'll get that. We will get through this together. Forest Hill is a great church, just a strong church, and you've been so supportive through all of this, and we will get through the next wave that we're facing right now together. Let's hold up one another in prayer. Let's continue to gather online and be encouraged. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Be still and know that he is God. The Lord reigns. 
Would you receive this benediction from the Lord? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And his people said, Amen. God bless you. See you Wednesday for midweek services with Pastor Online. See you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to our podcast at The Hill. We pray that you are blessed by this message. For more information on what's happening at The Hill and to stay connected, visit our website at foresthillcog.org, join our Facebook page, facebook.com slash foresthillcog, or download our app from the iTunes or Google Play Store.